Let me start by saying this is the second week of what we call Epiphany. And that's pretty exciting. Last week, hopefully you had an Epiphany. Because I'd like you to have another Epiphany this week. And it's, it sounds strange, I suppose, but as we hear the word of God, we hope and we pray that that word will be refreshed and renewed and we'll get new insight and, in a sense, be able to go deeper into where God is at and the things that God wants to reveal to us. <laughs> so that today is the second week of Epiphany. We're going to be looking at the story of Jesus when he went to the wedding at Cana. And that's a bit of a story, I suppose, a, a description of up there on the overhead. We've, we can see a, all the water jars. I think the water jars would have been a lot bigger than that, by the way. That's, that was, that's done without much knowledge. But the water jars would have been quite sizable. And they were filled, obviously, well, they were then filled with water. But we'll, I want to go back a bit first. I want to go back to last week. Because last week actually connects to this week, believe it or not. And you might be thinking, how can last week, which was about, and I don't know whether Anthony actually spoke about the, the uh, baptism of Jesus, did you? Okay, that's good. Because last week with the baptism of Jesus really impacts and our knowledge of that impacts what is a, today is all about, what that marriage at Cain is about. Now, when Jesus, without having to go into great detail on preaching last week's preach, but last week was about, again, an epiphany. Jesus went under the water and the heaven opened. There was a connection, an obvious connection between heaven and earth. And those that were around probably noticed the heaven open as well. Now, the word there that we talk about, part of what baptism is about is about repentance. And unfortunately, we've only got half the story on repentance. We've been told that repentance is turning around and turning away from what you might have done that was wrong and heading in a different path. Well, that's true, but it's only part of it. Because the word repentance actually is from a Greek word, metanoia. And metanoia is um, a, a word that means, meta means greater than or bigger than or beyond or the depth of, and noia is our mind. So in fact, repentance is something far bigger and far greater than simple just turning away from what's wrong. It's about having this greater experience of God that goes beyond our common thinking. So our mind then is illuminated and opened. Just exactly what happened when Jesus was baptised. Now, we might be looking at that metaphorically, and I'll point out the other word, that word again, meta. We use meta in so many different ways in our common language. So meta, it was a metaphysical experience, but it was also um, could be a metaphor. In other words, it's beyond, it's different, it's something that we need to take on board beyond the natural. Now, there's debate with scholars as to whether this event, that is, the marriage at Cana, ever took place. We don't know. And in one way, it doesn't really matter because the story's there for us to learn by. 
So whether you believe it actually happened, that's great, but, or whether you simply just want to look at it from a metaphorical perspective and experience metanoia for yourself, then that's up to you. So here we are. We're at the marriage at Cana. Jesus has been invited and Mary's there as well and the disciples are there as well and they're all there to just enjoy what's going on. I'm just losing the my microphone. There we go. Hitch it up. It's all, it's all back and, and fine. They're there to experience, to have joy and enjoy with those other people what's going on. Then Mary notices, Mary, Jesus' mother, notices that these big, huge vessels, uh, that there's no wine left. The wine is running out, but there are these big, huge vessels there that perhaps something can be done with. The interesting comment that, that Mary makes, Mary says, do whatever he tells you. And if you're sensitive, you'll realise that that actually is a, is a phrase that goes way back to when Joseph was in Israel, is in Egypt, sorry, Israel, when Joseph was in Egypt and they were experiencing a huge famine. And the Pharaoh said to the servants there about Joseph, do whatever he tells you to do. And so Joseph, in that instance, was able to then instigate this great big huge um, plan that God had given him through metanoia, through Joseph's ability to expand his mind and receive from God. And he was then able to feed all that land for seven years. Amazing. That's the power of metanoia. That's the power of our baptism. Or it can be. It might not be at the moment for you. But again, this is an epiphany. This is the second week of epiphany. And we're, we're looking at having an epiphany. So if you're not already ex experiencing this mind expansion, then you have the option to start. So we have these six vessels that then Jesus says to the, the uh, people there, the servants, go and fill them up with water. And he fills them up with water, or they fill them up with water. And they come back. It would have probably been a huge task because they were very big and they were stone, so they would have been heavy. wouldn't have been easy. Remembering that these are for ceremonial cleansing. Here's the link with last week. We're talking about how ceremonial cleansing at baptism, when someone goes into the water at baptism, it's a ceremonial cleansing. And then when they come out, they are cleansed. So they fill these jugs up with water. That's ceremonially, ceremonially meant to be cleansing. And then what takes place is a miracle. Because in these containers, it turns from water into wine. And we know that. That's the way the story goes. But there's a depth to that that maybe you haven't caught on to. Maybe you have. 
I hadn't, for a long while, caught on to the depth of what that's about. You see, these vessels represent us, or can. The vessels can represent us after having been in that water of baptism. Baptizo means to die, D-Y-E, not D-I-E, D-Y-E. In other words, when you colour something, Margaret looks nice and bright today, she's got lots of dye in her clothes. Lovely, beautiful, it's, 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 it's a blessing. But it goes into every single fibre of, of a person. When you dye something, it goes into every single fibre of the cloth. And when we're dyed at baptism goes into every single fibre of us. So here we have these wonderful vessels filled with water, ceremonially about cleansing, and they're about to be used in some capacity. And in the meantime, through this whole procedure, it turns into wine. Now, we know retrospectively that that wine represents Jesus' blood on the cross. They didn't know that yet. So, I mean, one of the reasons that he might have said, my time has not yet come to his mother, might be that, you know, he was still about to go to the cross and the understanding and the, and the metaphor that, that was playing out there was not totally understood. And that may be just one reason. Who knows exactly why he said, my time has not yet come, but that's a possibility. But it turned from the water into the wine. Now, when that was served, the guests said, this wine is fantastic. This is so much better than the wine that you had before, earlier. This wine is just beautiful. Now, I don't know if anyone's a wine buff here. Anyone a wine buff? There's usually one in a group. In a group. Peter would put his hands up, but he's holding himself now so that he can't put his hands up and tell, and tell anybody that he, he, Peter loves his wines. And, he's, and whenever we go anywhere, if we go to the Hunter or we go in, into the Adelaide Hills and things, we'll go down there and we'll taste the wines. And there's lots of ways of describing what wine is like. But it's beautiful and it's just, you know, it, it's an experience in itself. And that's what the guests here were experiencing. They're experiencing the depth of what this wine was about. Okay. Great with a the theory. Let me cut with a the theory now and go into the practical. So what does that mean then in our lives? What's that look like? If we have metanoia and the, and the heavens are open to us, just as they were to Jesus, what does that look like when this vessel filled with this ceremonial water, how does it pour out? in this wonderful way, like wine. How does it? Makes you smile, does it, Carol? It certainly can make you smile. But it's equipping. It's an equipping. You know, I think the people that selected the things for the lectionary weren't weird. They were actually knew what they were doing. And when we look at, this, at the uh, reading that um, Gail did from 1 Corinthians 12... 1 to 11, we read about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, in some of the, some of the scriptures, it actually says that the Spirit activates these gifts. 
So what's it going to look like? It's going to look like gifts that you might already have that are going to be activated to some supernatural level that others might not recognise. The guests at the wedding didn't necessarily recognise that a miracle had taken place. People in your life might not recognise that a miracle has taken place when God actually changes the water of your baptism into wine in your life. Now, if you're a teacher, for instance, you might find, here's an example, that you have just this inner insight into the children. And God gives you, as we read in 1 Corinthians, inspiration of word or wisdom prophecy about that child and their family. One way that it might look. You might be at work and you might be in a meeting and there might be some sort of difficulty happening, uh, you know, with either the the people around you. And God somehow turning the water of your baptism into the wine of, of God's grace shows you supernaturally a way to get through the particular problem that might be there. Now others, again, might not recognise that. But you'll know. You'll know that it's not you. And that's what the baptism is all about. Our baptism is a supernatural baptism. A supernatural baptism where we can see, where we can hear, where we can feel the Spirit of God deeper than ever before or than others who have not got the Spirit within them. Aren't we blessed? I hope today that you've had a bit of an epiphany. I hope today that if you don't know how to access, again, that part of your baptism where you are that ceremonial water being turned into wine, then you'll come along to some of the Bible studies. We're having them. We're learning how to hear, how to be able to see, how to be able to perceive the Spirit of God, and then how to be able to not only do that, but to be able to use that in our lives. So I encourage you today. Come along. When do we start back? When does that? First week in February. So note that and, you know, maybe put it on your fridge or whatever you've got to do to remind yourself that that's where it is so that your metanoia, you will experience metanoia in your life in all aspects. Let's commit this to God. We thank you, God, that... You know, so you know, just like I'm in awe, you know so much more than what we do. And we only can just glean the little bits, just like just, just the little tiny tidbits that you allow us. But we pray today that something has changed in us, that we have an epiphany of a type, that we have a, a new experience of what this story is about that we can open ourselves due to our, our experience in baptism, knowing that our baptism now, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. That that water is no longer water but being changed into wine. 
bless and to give and to, to have joy with, as Carol said. So we pray today that this be so for each and every person listening and sitting here. That the depth of their spirit and the depth of God's Holy Spirit create an epiphany of metanoia. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.